You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 155, April 18th, 2018. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We're back after taking, I don't know, half a week off? Eight days off? Something like that? Not not long enough. <laughs> so much to talk about. And so much we can't talk about this week. <laughs> uh, we have a superstar shakeup to discuss. Raw and SmackDown shuffled their rosters a little bit and called up some folks from NXT WrestleMania stipulations were ignored. (laughs) We were proven fools for spending our time watching this product. I don't know. I feel like this is going to be something of a a more negative episode from us, Liam, considering we usually try to take a positive uh, viewpoint on things. Yeah, it might be time for uh, for another airing of grievances. We have maybe, Maybe two or three of these a year. They're uh, they're few and far between, but you know, every once in a while, there's just more negative than positive to talk about. Well, speaking of the superstar shakeup, kicked off on Raw with Ginger Mahal being drafted to Raw, <laughs> and then kind of the story of Jeff Hardy's career. Jeff Hardy returned uh, from a DUI to immediately be given a championship title. Uh, new United States champion Jeff Hardy. Uh, I watched his match with Jinder Mahal, Liam, and I'm not sure Jeff Hardy, if that was a good measuring stick for whether or not Jeff Hardy can still go, which has been my question about Jeff Hardy since he returned a year ago. I'm not sure if Jeff Hardy can still go, but I guess with being drafted to SmackDown, we're about to find out. Yeah, he. I thought his match with Jinder was above average for a Jinder Mahal match. Um, and I thought yeah, he had a match with Shelton Benjamin on SmackDown on Tuesday, and that was also fine. Yes, here in 2018, not 2006, not 2008, Shelton Benjamin and Jeff Hardy uh, wrestled here and uh, <laughs> in, in the year of our Lord, 2018. Um but uh, and he looked he looked fine in both matches. He can he can still do all of his signature offense. Um, remind, he seems like maybe he's looking a little to me right now, like uh, like RVD looked when he came back in like 2014. Like he yeah. can still do the signature stuff, but you can just tell that it's it's just all a little bit slower. That's a good analogy. I think I think that's right. And it looked like maybe his cardio was a little bit. Eh. which you know i can i can uh, commiserate with mr hardy on that um so liam i foolishly looked forward to bailey and sasha on raw all (laughs) week and (laughs) right and that match on raw served as just a backdrop for Liv morgan to beat both women up (laughs) single-handedly Oh, and Sarah Logan and Ruby Riot each got one move in, too. Uh, the Riot Squad on their way to Monday Night Raw. I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, they kind of just, uh, I mean, 
call it the shakeup. You could call it a shuffle. That's uh, basically what it was. They moved the Riot Squad and Natalia to Raw, and they moved, I guess, officially now Asuka is on SmackDown, and uh, I guess they moved Sonya and and uh, Mandy to SmackDown. So not exactly lighting the world on fire in the women's division. Um, and but Natty, yes. And Natty to Raw. Yes. So we've got, uh, I guess, and it appears Natty will be uh, will be Ronda Rousey's probably first singles match. Um, we'll see. We'll see. That's probably a good person to work with. I know Natalia may not be as good a worker as sometimes Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez say she <laughs> is, but I think she's safe and competent and knows how to work the WWE women's uh, women's match style. So it's good, fine, safe, safe opponent for Ronda. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, now, I guess now are we going to do more uneasy Alliance and Bailey and Sasha are going to be a team against the riots at the squad now? God only knows. And, uh, Neither of them was announced as moving on television this week, but in years past, we've seen a bunch of, oh, crap, we have we forgot about these people, or we have drastically imbalanced the shows, and there's a supplemental uh, movement on Wednesday. Uh, at, we're recording this late Tuesday night. I'm not sure uh, if a subsequent move will be announced on Wednesday, if they are, we will, I will probably cut all of this out. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I th- I thought it was going to be the blow off to that feud, and one of them was going to switch brands, but that doesn't appear to be the case. So, eh, I don't know. I just know that I'm an idiot for uh, getting my hopes up and, and uh, looking looking forward to that match this week. And I'm also an idiot apparently for. Pay- attention to Wrestlemania where I saw Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens lose a match where they uh, would not be able to work in WWE anymore and yet the next night they got an opportunity on Raw to try to wrestle their way onto that roster and they both failed and then this week they just uh, it's it's just wrestling they put him back (laughs) on the show are we idiots for paying attention to Wrestlemania well, it's funny because if you remember, again, if you are punished when you pay attention or you remember things, uh, they did a bit back in, it was like November or December where I think it was Nakamura and Orton. It was the match where Daniel Bryan and Shane were both refs. If you remember that, oh. Buster F. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the stipulation was if Kevin and Sammy lost that match, they were fired and they weren't allowed to just go to Raw. They were fired from the entire WWE how exactly Shane or Daniel Bryan would have enforced that, I don't know. But in theory, they at least had that that idea in place that if, if you lose a your fired match, you can't just go to the other brand. And yet that's exactly what they did just two or three months later because the guy running the show doesn't remember that that was a storyline. So he doesn't expect that anyone else would either. That's that's the explanation. I don't like it, but you're right. That's That's just the explanation. Um, the show is written for the 72-year-old guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you can see that by most of the women on the roster. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, speaking of which, we got to, while we're wrapping up women talk, Carmella is Are awful. We? Carmella <laughs> is awful. And Charlotte she seems like, is also she seems not like... very good. 
Oh, right. So this is my uh, my little pet topic from a couple of weeks ago. Are we sure Charlotte's good? And then she went <laughs> out and probably had the best match on WrestleMania. Um, but uh, you are asserting this week that no, Charlotte is not very good. I think we were both right. Because if you remember, <laughs> I said on, I believe it was our WrestleMania preview show where we talked about that. And I said, well, I think when she's in there with the right person, she can be really great. Uh, she can be she can be good to great. And so she was in there with Asuka and had a really great match. Uh, I saw her cut a really, really bad promo on Carmella on Tuesday night, followed by her and Billy Kay and Peyton Royce having the worst brawl I think I've ever seen. <laughs> wow. And then her, that's, that's probably too harsh. I'm sure there's plenty of divas brawls from like the mid two thousands. I'm, I'm leaving out, but it was not good. And I'm prone to hyperbole. Um, <laughs> and then she and Billy Kay had a very, very developmental T women's TV match on SmackDown. And then, and Billy Kay tapped out to the figure eight. So immediately the I iconics are just another act to get Charlotte over. So, mm. and we don't really. We, so I guess that's our, so. Our top heels right now on SmackDown for for the females are Carmella and the I Iconics. So are they going to turn Becky Lynch? Is that like the dumbest thing they could do? Well, you know, you look at okay. You have Asuka, who's like, yeah, she doesn't really speak English, but she's she's got a million dollar smile and she's just badass. And you got Whoa. Becky, who's the Becky, who's like the best baby face, not named Daniel Bryan on the show. So naturally, yeah. one of them should turn, and Charlotte should be the babyface, right? <laughs> That's generally how they do things, yeah. Uh, you know, Becky didn't come out to save Charlotte when Carmella cashed in Money in the Bank. So there's storyline there if they want to go with it. She did come out to save uh, Charlotte on SmackDown this week, though. So they, yeah, I don't, I don't know that they know what they're doing, but <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, I would like to talk about the I Iconics and that I did not know. I don't think I'd ever seen them on NXT, on NXT television before, <laughs> and I could not tell them apart. And as uh, I think they debuted, and uh, we discussed uh, last, we were discussing off the air last week. I was like, I can't tell Peyton Royce and uh, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay apart. And you looked at me like I was. <laughs> Like I was an insane person. Like I looked at you like you had grown a third nostril. <laughs> and I don't know. You were very kind um, in not stooping to only describing these women by their appearance. But you could have said Peyton Royce is the pretty one and Billy Kay looks like Liza Minnelli. And you did <laughs> not. like Craig Ferguson in a wig. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like Craig Ferguson in a wig. Those are your words, not mine. Uh, I am a respecter of women. That's just like Paul and John <laughs> Cena. You are a respecter. Now that that joke, the the Craig Ferguson joke, is because Craig always said on his on his late night show that he would ask for a picture of himself and they would put up a picture of Liza Minnelli. So there's that's that was that was a joke. Everybody, that's, I too am a respecter. Awesome. Should we talk about John Cena and Nikki Bella now? Sure. All right, I I never believed that this was a real relationship. I mean, it, <laughs> it it is in as much as I'm sure that at some point those two were hooking up, and I'm sure at some point, um, he you know when she signed the seventy five page cohabitation agreement and moved into his mansion, 
that perhaps um, they, they had something long term in mind. But this is a, a made for television arrangement. I don't think it's super real. There's a bunch of super weird, confusing, conflicting statements being released to like Us Weekly and People Magazine. <laughs> no one's no one's talking. Every I don't know what I just. Everybody's oh, I'm so heartbroken. They were going to get married on Cinco de Mayo in Mexico. What? <laughs> the most trouble free place on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are they? Are you? Are you sure they were? Or were they like scheduled to shoot the wedding on May 5th in Mexico? Right. <laughs> like, I don't think this is a real relationship. Yeah, I mean, wasn't that kind of the whole like storyline of the first couple? Of... I didn't watch Total Divas that closely, but the storyline to me was always wasn't it always like Bree and Brian were like the real couple, and and John and Nikki were like the the sex robots. Well, J- John was a heel. Until uh, until like I don't know three quarters of the way through the through the first season of Total Bellas, and and I didn't watch how their WrestleMania engagement played out on Total Divas. I missed that season, but John was very much a heel, and that you know he was never going to give Nikki what she wants. And Nikki and Brie were the big baby faces, and Brie and and Brian to a, a lesser extent were the well, Brian was there to not to refuse to be part of the act <laughs> from what I remember from the early days of total divas that I watched. Well, that, yeah, that's, I mean, he was undoubtedly the best part of that show, but, um, yeah, I, as far as being sex robots, uh, I, I don't know if that's completely fair. I mean, Nikki, I always, we always disagreed. I think on whether or not Nikki Bella was a good person. And I think that she was because I thought it was very sweet that she would pray for John when he was flying. (laughs) That's like a real, that's something like a real person does not a sex robot, a sex Uh robot. I guess maybe I'm saying John Cena is a sex robot because all he does on that show is buy suits and sip wine and talk about his rules. And he was never going to give her children. And this was a plot point. For many years, and I, I just, I don't believe that this was, you know, like a year to the day after their engagement. It's like, okay, they signed an engagement agreement. We will be engaged for a period of twelve months. At which point, <laughs> this couple, this you know, coupleship will be dissolved, and you will get twenty percent of my assets or whatever. Like, I think it's all fake. Like, I, I guess my thought is like. I didn't realize either one of them were like that good an actor because I mean, they've been doing public appearances to, together, like all throughout WrestleMania. She was at the kids choice awards with him and all those, other, you know, all the award shows and stuff that he goes to. And she's always in the audience for all his stuff. And I think she was at the premiere of his movie and, and, uh, and then, yeah, just the suddenness and, and also the idea of releasing a statement where you ask for privacy when you got engaged in front of 70,000 people on worldwide TV is, is humorous to me, but <laughs> you release maybe, a statement. You don't get privacy when you release a statement, <laughs> right? When you, when you bring out a megaphone and shout to the world that we have decided to no longer be in love. Uh, that's not exactly a way to ask someone to actually respect your privacy, but I guess it does help you to control the narrative of whatever the breakup is. 
Sure. I'm I'm going with it was never real. It was it's not a breakup. The breakup was predetermined a year ago. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, it's one of their the more long term story uh, that uh, the WWE has told told in years, if that's the case. I, I believe it to be the case. Uh, the Miz is going to SmackDown. Zack Ryder, Brizongo, Mojo Raleigh are going to Raw along with Mike Kanellis. <laughs> The Ascension. Okay, the big four. That's right. Zack Ryder, uh, Mojo Raleigh, and Brizongo, the big four. Kind of glossing over a couple here, but we can... I want to talk about, very briefly, Chad Gable. I don't know why they broke up Gable and Benjamin. He's going to be just a job guy on Raw, right? Maybe he'll get lucky and go to 205 Live. Eh, yeah, that'd probably be the best thing for him, honestly. Like, he could be the champion there, which, I mean, that's the king of turd mountain but <laughs> at least he gets to have long work rate matches now that hunter's booking it right that's true drew mcintyre debuted with dolph ziggler for some god-awful reason why are they why do they hate drew <laughs> they well they thought drew was their guy like 10 years ago and then they soured on him and now he's with his fellow 2009 smackdown mid-card compatriot Dolph Ziggler here in 2018 Raw. Uh, I mean, Drew got a big reaction coming out, and then they put him with Ziggler, and it's like the crowd popped for Drew McIntyre, and then gradually got quieter as that segment went on. Um, yeah, He's, I don't know. Hey, Drew has changed, too. He has a beard now. <laughs> he looks more like Triple H looked at one point in his career, which, as always, is a really good idea if you want to get pushed. Look like Triple H has looked sometime in his career. He also has that Triple H physique. And speaking of physiques, Roman Reigns was about 15 pounds lighter this week. And look, he looks like a guy that works out a lot rather than a someone who's on television with bare arms every week to me. If you if you told me, I heard the the theory floated that oh he got really hurt in the Brock match at Mania and he hasn't been able to work out in ten days or whatever. I am call me uh, a conspiracy theorist, but I think that maybe he's a little deflated. He's uh, I think he's on the Chris Masters diet. <laughs> I do. I think he's adhering to the wellness policy. And I, I am always very suspect when someone gains or loses 15 pounds uh, in a week. Was that noticeable to you? Yeah, absolutely. It's noticeable in his, his neck, his arms. like that. And I mean, maybe part of it is maybe he's been gradually losing a bit and the, the big giant flak jacket prevents you from noticing as much. But he came out there and basically just a t-shirt on, on Raw on Monday. And yeah, that dude is very small compared to what he's been at his various peaks over the years. Good. I'm not body shaming him. I body shame other people on this show, but not him. <laughs> Speaking of, oh, can we talk about big Cass's fat ass? Yeah. Let's just go ahead and uh, talk about everything. Big Cass, SmackDown singles big Cass guy came back on SmackDown. They were doing an interview with Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan turns around. And the first thing you see is big Cass's saggy man tits. And, Whoa! <laughs> sorry, is this too harsh? I mean, I I don't know. <laughs> I would say they did not shoot that. They are usually very protective of their people, and they know how to shoot guys to make them like make their abs come out and stuff. And they shot this at such an angle that it made Cass look awful. They they 
to your point, they are very careful about how they shoot some of the uh, women that don't always have a flat stomach all the time. Yes. And Matt Hardy and people. <laughs> and he's the only man that comes to mind. Uh, <laughs> they're very careful about how they shoot. Uh, speaking of Total Divas, I think I saw one episode of Divas where, that Cass and Carmelo were on when they were a couple. Or maybe this uh-huh. was maybe this was something on the network. And she would talk about how her cheat meal was like one French fry, and like, <laughs> and his cheat meal was like four subs and three large fries and cheese fries and tacos. <laughs> and it's like, well, at the time, yes, it, it he looks like someone who goes completely hog wild on his cheat day to the point where it impacts his other six days. And she yeah. looks like she eats one French fry per meal. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. This this concludes the body shaming segment of our show. Like, you know, I don't care what the guy eats. Great. Just know that this is a cosmetic business. Maybe wear a singlet. Yeah, Maybe be like your Corbin. And wear wrestle in a t-shirt. Right. No no shame. Just know how, you know, know how to dress. <laughs> if, Why hasn't someone he... told him that though? Like he's very right. clearly not had the like super chiseled cut physique forever. If right, if the cameraman or the lighting crew or whoever is not going to help you out, then you gotta help yourself out. You gotta get some better gear. That's all. Just suggestion. So we mentioned Corbin in passing there. Corbin and his skull are going to Monday Night Raw. <laughs> and I guess because Joe's going to SmackDown. Roman's going to need somebody to work with all summer. Is it going to be Corbin? Corbin or Jinder, probably, right? Oh, Lord. Maybe maybe Lashley, if they turn him. Oh, Bobby Lashley's back, by the way, guys. That's <laughs> happened since we last did a show. He's uh, he, Speaking of people that, I don't know. Bobby's, <laughs> Bob, Bobby's physique has never passed the, the sniff test or the eye test. And now he's 40, and he's bigger than ever. Yeah. <laughs> and... I don't know if the loophole is he's a part-timer and he, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out if he starts doing house shows. I don't know. He, he ain't in that USADA pool. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. That's that's true. Brock at Mania, by the way, much, yes. much softer and smaller than usual. That's, that's the way, that's the term I would use to describe Roman too, would be softer. He was, <laughs> he's not cut. Fair. All right. Uh, continue body shaming. How we get to dig our way up here? I don't know. Bobby Roode's going to Raw too. That guy hasn't eaten a carb in years. True. Like that's that because that guy's again. He's like forty two, yeah. and he's he's like I can't if he if he has a weekend where he eats nothing but McDonald's, it's all over for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bobby is a. Uh, it looked it looked like they were positioning Bobby Roode as a little bit more of a star than. I thought Vince thought he was with the way he was positioned as like the mystery guy in the raw main event. Do you think, what do you think his prospects are long-term? I mean, for better or worse, I mean, they, what we talked about with him on SmackDown is that they had him, they brought him up. He was playing 1987 Ric Flair in NXT. And then he came up as happy, smiling babyface in the, uh, on SmackDown. I mean, that's a guy, again, you could turn and put him with Roman or put him with Seth and or Finn or whoever, and I think that would be, I think in his best interest is not to be a babyface, but yeah, it did. It definitely seemed like they wanted to give you, 
you know, outside of Roman, these are our big five, you know, the babyface team in that main event. Yeah, that's fair. We talked about Jeff and Absolution going to SmackDown. We briefly touched on Joe going to SmackDown. I guess, so you posited the theory to me earlier that he's going to lose to Roman, which will really kick off his tenure on SmackDown with the bang. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the deal, because when you leave Raw to go to SmackDown, they beat you like a drum on your way out of the territory. But but it's the same territory. (laughs) You would think. But that's not how they do things. Like, do you remember when like Jack Swagger won the world title and moved to SmackDown, and like the next Monday he lost to Randy Orton on that raw on a raw? I do not remember that. <laughs> well, of course you don't. It was Jack Swagger as the world champion. But if you did, <laughs> that sounds like something they do, right? Yeah, well, I completely believe that it happened. Yeah, uh, we talked about Cass. Cass. I don't know. I guess he's going to be in the Corbin slot of guy that they're always hoping to push, but will never have the balls to go all the way with. And so we'll get a bunch of stop start until they sour on him. He's in that Corbin slot on SmackDown now, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they're putting him with Brian. So they had him lay out Brian in the main event. So he's it. It's they're not going straight to the Brian and Miz thing. It appears. And you know, that's Vince McMahon booking 101 is when you have the mega over baby face, you give him a big stinky giant to, to run through. So, <laughs> so, makes, so, you know, he's got a, tr- Daniel Bryan's got a tree to chop down now. I think, I don't know about Cass as a heel. Like, I know he doesn't have his mouthpiece there anymore, but I liked when they what were kind of. What happened to that guy? Ugh, good Lord. Ugh. I liked, though, when he was kind of getting a test run as a singles babyface about, about this time last year. Um, I don't know. I just don't think his mean guy face <laughs> just doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> he seems like a nice dude. Like, there are certain people, and maybe his backstage reputation is not that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I he doesn't he is not great, You as you mentioned, at least not at a main event level you remember like when they did the stuff with him and big show and enzo it was pretty awful yeah and and i i mean part of that might have been because the biggest star in that program was enzo and he was like the big show's manager in that feud yep but um yeah i don't i don't know about Cass as a as a big time star but yeah as far as like a corbin level guy who's big and we'll get a win here and there, and we'll probably win a mid-card title or two. I, I guess it's fine. But yeah, long-term, maybe he should, maybe he should look more into the uh, baby-face diesel sort of role. Or mm-hmm. uh, maybe Big Show is a better model than baby-face diesel. <laughs> yeah. R-Truth and the bar to SmackDown, I don't care. The club, Gallows and Anderson to SmackDown. Boy, those guys are lost unless they decide to move Bauer over there. Um, <laughs> good luck being those guys. I thought the Usos were going to go to Raw for sure. It just, but I guess not. Um, and then let's talk about the NXT call-up. Sanity and... Minus Nikki Cross Sanity. That's that's correct. And to me, that is a... Mm, she's, she was the, the icing on the cake. Like that's that's a fine act without her, but it really works with her too. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, one of my favorite parts of, of NXT television was when they were doing the stuff with uh, Adam Cole's group. Is like there was like three weeks in a row where she come where 
Adam Cole keeps getting involved in Sanity's matches with Fish and O'Reilly. And here comes Nikki Cross out of the crowd to attack Adam Cole. And Adam Cole runs away from her and demands security take her away. And I really wanted to see an Adam Cole versus Nikki Cross match. <laughs> but I don't think we're ever going to get that. But uh, yeah, she's she again, that's just a little something to make it unique. There's been a lot of three-man factions. It's going to be really easy if you don't watch NXT to look at them and say, oh, they're just kind of like the Wyatt family or whatever. You know, we've seen they're a spooky act. We know Vince McMahon is going to see that act, not get oh. it, and they're going to be teleporting and shooting lightning and stuff <laughs> within like three months. <laughs> That's true. And Zelina Vega and Andrade Cien Almas have moved to SmackDown. Um, I'm, I'm for that. I think as long as uh, Vince gets Zelina... I I don't know if he will. This is a man that had it had to be explained to him one time that some people find Asian women attractive. Um, (laughs) I am not confident that he's going to get the whole Zelina Vega act, but she bumps, she talks. What more do you want? And Almas can do the work. Yeah, no, I I mean that's that's a great act. We talked about Almas was basically like a you know on the level of like what Ty Dillinger was in NXT or what like Ziggler is on the main roster. And then they put him with Vega and it completely changed his career. And he was, I mean, he was a championship level guy in NXT. I'm not sure if I see him on that level on the main roster when you've got guys like Joe and now the, the heel Nakamura and guys like that. But you know, as a, as a really, as an upper mid card heel. Yeah. I see that's a solid spot for him. He's also fortunate that, Maurice and Maria Canellis got pregnant like at the same time because <laughs> now there aren't because if there were two or three other female manager with male superstar acts, I don't think he would be getting called up right now. That's fair. That's fair. So uh probably to an extent an issue of, of good timing for him as well. But uh yeah, I, I mean I, I think it's a I mean it's a really good act. I mean we we've sung the praises of Zelina Vega for years i believe she she won the best promo award at, on, on our uh, year in review show earlier this year and we we both kind of agreed with that pick so she's she's great she turned an act that was floundering to say the least into a main event act in that in that uh, at least on the nxt brand so yeah i'm excited to see what they do um the <laughs> as we keep coming back to it really doesn't matter what we think though it's gonna matter what the 72 year old man thinks that's true. So we're on the we are uh, en route to the greatest Royal Rumble and we will have that to discuss. No women on that show obviously. Um so that's that's coming up. Uh what else? You got anything else you want to get to this week? Uh just something we can mention in passing. Uh so New Japan's getting ready to do uh Tanahashi versus Okada. The idea being that Okada is going to break the record for consecutive title defenses of the IWGP title. And uh, in one of their post-matches, I think it was after they did that 10-man tag a few nights ago, Okada cut a promo. They do that press conference deal, and he's talking about, look at all these empty seats. Nobody here wants to see Tanahashi versus Okada anymore. They're bored by this match. (laughs) And I was like, huh, he's probably kind of right. (laughs) 
And <laughs> now you're obviously you're following New Japan a little more closely than I am, just because you're writing for it for figure4online.com. But uh, there's and you kind of brought up the comparison. Uh, Okada's the champ. Yeah. His his manager is the booker of the company. Yeah. Uh, are you getting some Hollywood Hogan and Easy E <laughs> flashbacks here? I am. And, um, you know, business is generally very good for them. And, and, you know, their business is booming in North America and they can come here and sell out shows on the West Coast in seconds. And they have the best selling wrestling merchandise in the country with, you know, in Hot Topic. And a lot of that's just the Bucks and Omega. But, Regardless, you know, there's New Japan logo T-shirts in hot, every Hot Topic in America now. Like, Los Ingobernables shirts in, in the true. Hot Topic in Annapolis, Maryland. I saw the other a couple of weeks ago. Yep, Lij shirts. Yep, it's ridiculous. Um, but I just think that, and I know that it's not an apples to apples comparison. The way they do the Young Lion system, where you 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 know, until you're 25, you wrestle in black boots and black trunks and you lose every match to guys like you know yuji nagata and manabu nakanishi who are in their mid to late 40s and look every bit of it and (laughs) then they send you on an excursion when they're ready to make you a star and then they bring you back after a year away and like re-debut you as a star as we've seen recently here with uh switchblade jay white who I think maybe could use another year away still. But <laughs> um, anyway, I know that it's not an apples to apples comparison, but I think they have been running with the pat hand for some time. And I think you've brought this up when we've discussed New Japan on the show before. You know who the top four guys are. It's Okada, Naito, Tanahashi, and Omega. And there's one foreigner in there and three Japanese guys. And the Japanese are always going to be uh, the focal point of the promotion, and they very well should be. It's Japanese promotion. Um, but I think all of those guys are older than 30. F- or I'm sorry, Okada is not. But Omega, Tanahashi, and Naito are all older than 35, I think. Um, regardless, in television years, they've, they've all been around a, a while now. And you can mix and match, and they occasionally throw you know, 50-year-old Suzuki, Minoru Suzuki in there. Yeah. And, you know, 42-year-old Tomohiro Ishii gets, you know, the odd main event here or there. And those guys are still phenomenal for their age. Um, But it's running with a pat hand for a long time. And I think that when you are in the ghetto slash easy E spot, and you become a little bit enamored with your guy <laughs> that maybe you could become a little you could be a little bit blind to what's going on around you and i think most people thought that january 4th of this year was going to be tetsuya naito's coronation and i don't think anyone expected him to replace okada as like the figurehead of the promotion but it sure seemed like he was in line for a nice long IWGP title run and maybe a 1A 
or a you know a Roman Reigns to Okada's Cena, or I know that's a right. poor com- a poor comparison, but an Orton, a Batista, somebody sh- like that. Sure, a top guy who's protected, and he just lost clean to Okada. So <laughs> I I don't know that that's you know some kind of seminal moment, or I don't think the company's going down or anything. Obviously, business is booming, but there is the occasional warning sign here or there, like empty seats at like one of their most historic venues, Corrigan Hall, which only holds 1,800 people, and there's empty seats. Eh, I don't know. Maybe there's maybe there's warning signs here or there. Is that making sense? Yeah. I mean, there's there's the famous quote, if, especially if, if you've read the Death's WCW book or if you're just familiar with that time of like late 98 where Bischoff is, you know, gives some interview to somebody. He's like, you know, I hear people say we need to change things up and we need to change what we're doing. But then I look and I, you know, I see we have the biggest crowd we've ever had for, you know, insert pay-per-view name here. And, you know, we're still killing it in the ratings. We're still doing all. So, yeah, I guess there are some people who think we should change, but I'm looking around and saying, why bother? Everything's great. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but there's, there's something to that idea of it's not a problem yet, but if you don't address these things, it could be a problem. We we talked about a little bit on the lead up to that show. Uh, they they did a very good job of building up Zack Sabre Jr. And whether or not you're a Zack Sabre Jr. fan or not, they had him go into the New Japan Cup and tap out Naito and tap out Tanahashi. And who's the other guy? It was Juice Robinson or somebody? Yeah. Um, Okay, you know, so you tapped out two, Naito and Tanahashi being the important ones there. Um, tapped out two super top guys. They had they gave him a strong showing at the the show in America. And they all led up to a title match with uh, Okada. It feels like oh man, they're actually kind of making somebody. And then he lost clean to Okada, and Okada's back to wrestling the guy that Saber tapped out about three weeks later. So I like you're absolutely right. They're making plenty of money. It's certainly not the ship is not sinking yet. But I do think it's something worth uh, keeping an eye on, and it's not something that I hear anybody else kind of talking about when it comes to New Japan, uh, at least not in great depth. Um, again, it's not we're not. It's not a. It's not the fire is not here yet. We're not saying it's a disaster or we need to change everything right now. Obviously, Okada is very good. But yeah, maybe, maybe look into making, you know, keep so the idea of maybe they should try to keep Saber near the top of that card, or maybe it is time to put that title on Naito for a while, or you know, something there. You know, yep. it's definitely I think something. It's not. It may not be an issue right this second, but if they don't address it, and as you mentioned, if the Booker continues to be continues to. Uh, fall in love with the act he is a part of, it could <laughs> in fact lead to problems uh, down the road. Yeah. And maybe, maybe once he gets past Tanahashi and sets the record, breaks Tanahashi's record for the most IWGP title defenses or most consecutive IWGP title defenses. Uh, maybe we will, you know, get a new champion later this year or um, yeah, maybe, Maybe they're aware of this. Maybe they're two steps ahead of me. But I just thought, huh, you know what? This is a little bit reminiscent. <laughs> to stress your point, we're not saying it's like 
1998 WCW, <laughs> where it's very clear that they needed to make somebody immediately. However, it's worth just worth talking about. Yeah, and uh, good news though, everybody. Bone Soldier is coming back soon, so things are looking up. Oh, gosh, and I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Uh. That's all I got time for this week. Anything else we want to get into? No, I think we uh, we covered the bases. We aired some grievances. We body shamed the heck out of quite a few people, male and female. Mostly male this week, uh, as a change of pace. And uh, yeah, here we are. All right. So until next time, I'm Ethan, and I'm Liam, and we'll be back very soon with more stories on the wrestling life. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. Life's great. <laughs> How's work and well, stuff? Dark, dark comedy is, uh, as you know, extremely my ish. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing that ever has happened is you watched. I think you you told me you watched a Bo Burnham special and then like three episodes of BoJack, and yeah. you told me you understood me better than you ever had before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was in a dark place <laughs> it's like oh no this is too dark for me <laughs> you're a, a step beyond that <laughs> like, okay no no i mean none of us are all the time it's like oh, okay i i get it yep <laughs> would you like alcohol i sure, <laughs> I sure would you sophisticated smooth talker <laughs> so we gotta talk about wrestling i guess I try to keep on keeping on.